0: Our scripture again from James beginning in verse 13 of chapter 4. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say if the Lord wills. We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. In the days before personal computers and smartphones, I used to use a reminder system called Daytimer. And in there, I kept notes of my plans and all my reminders of tasks and appointments. And that system was so helpful as a guide to keep me on course in my daily rush of work. But sadly, sadly, as I think back on those days, I really can't remember having a regular habit of thinking, if the Lord wills, I'll do all these things that I have written here in my planner. Which brings me to the question that's prompted by the words in this text. By that behavior that I demonstrated in not turning to the Lord and saying, is it your will that I would do these things? Was I demonstrating a kind of arrogance within my soul? I didn't think much about it then, but I do now. And so I asked, Do you, do I, have arrogance lurking within our personality? Do you have arrogance lurking there within your personality and perhaps you don't even know it? Now that question might at first seem a bit harsh to you because in most of our minds, arrogance is one of those more offensive attributes that a person might have in their character. And it often is. But the question still needs to be asked by each of us. Am I, are you, arrogant? Do I have arrogance quietly living within my soul? What is arrogance? The Lord has spoken about it here. What is arrogance? The stereotypical forms of arrogance are usually easy to recognize. A person's behavior reveals it. They're prideful often very outspoken, opinionated, self-centered, conceited, egotistical, boastful. I got all those words, by the way, from the dictionary. So that's what arrogance means. But arrogance is also a very clever form of sin. Remember now in Genesis chapter 3, God said to Cain, Cain, don't you know that sin... Desires to have control over you. Sin is very clever. Sin is not just something that we trip over, that we break a law of God by accidentally tripping over it. What God was saying to Cain was that sin is a predator that comes looking for you and me. And that's so with arrogance very clever form of sin. It doesn't always present itself in one of these more open and obvious behaviors. It has subtlety to it at times. Almost imperceptible. And that's especially so within the heart and the character of a genuine believer. It can manifest itself in a quiet and unoffensive way such that you and I might never recognize its presence within us. And that's the kind of arrogance that I want us to talk about here today in this message. Because recall that this whole book of James has been given to fellow believers. So he wrote these words to believers, people who really don't want to be arrogant. Here in these words, God is giving a warning to us as believers. He's saying, yes, for those of us who do earnestly believe in God, who do earnestly desire to be good Christians, can not only stumble into, but can actually live out most of the days of their life bound up within subtle forms of arrogant behavior. And may I warn you and me that we are not usually the best sources to ask this question of, am I arrogant? I need not ask myself, am I arrogant? Because I will probably not be truthful with myself. We are not truthful with ourselves most of the time when there's a criticism involved. We like to make excuses. And we'll find an excuse for our behavior. But listen, if you and I are to be serious enough about seeking to know the truth about ourselves, the very best source, the very best person to go to is God Himself. In Psalm 139, we're told that God really does know you and me. In Psalm 139, He gives us this prayer that we can ask. But first, listen. This is Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Listen, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows exactly what you're thinking right now. He knows exactly what I'm thinking. And so the prayer, right at the end of that chapter, verse 23, the prayer is... Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to just sit down and open up your heart and say, Now, Lord, I'm willing to listen. Would you search me? Would you search my thoughts? Let me know if there's any grievous way in me. And then lead me in the ways of the ever, of everlasting life. If we really want to know if arrogance lives within us, then God is the one that you and I will need to go to for the answer. Turn back with me again to the text and let's consider these words again. Verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Plans such as these here in verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, those are ordinary plans for a lot of people, especially those that might work in a field that has sales. If you're a salesman, you can't restrict yourself just to your little territory that you have set out for yourself. Salesmen and sales organizations must of necessity continually be on the lookout for new territory for their products. And so it's not a sin for us to make plans, even very detailed plans. Now with school just beginning this past week, I'm reminded that every good teacher needs to make plans for their teaching schedules, planning for the subject matter that they're going to teach in September and the things they'll teach in December and then in March and then as they finish the year. Planning is absolutely important for so many of us in our work. The warning, though, that's being given here is not so much about making plans. It's about how sinful behavior can creep into our planning process and specifically... It's a sin of presumption. Because if you'll look back, and he says in verse 16, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Arrogance is a sin. It's evil. And so what happens when we start to make our plans, we do it in such a way that we do not consider God's plans within our plans we become presumptuous. We believe that the times are in our hands and we believe that we can solely control all that we're going to do. And that if we plan it well and execute it well, our plan will succeed. Why do I say that? I have heard that expression in so many, many business meetings in my life. Plan it well, execute it well, and it'll turn out well it will succeed. That is the secular form of management. But it specifically and arrogantly ignores the hand of God and what His plans are. That's the essence of the sin of presumption. What does presumption mean? Let me give you some of the synonyms that I looked up for presumption. It's arrogance, self-centered impropriety, disrespect, inconsiderate, overconfident, insolent. So when then does our planning cross that line and become a sin, the sin of presumption to where we believe we have absolute control over every part of what we're going to do over this next year when we go into that other town? And we'll work there. And we'll make a profit. Let me say again. That kind of behavior completely ignores, even denies that God is anywhere to be found. And again, we're Christians. We're Christians and we don't want... We don't want to deny Him. We don't want to ignore Him. But we Christians are who this book is written to. And so God is talking to us. And so can you and I, are you and I living in such a condition every day and the way that we think and the way that we operate where we completely ignore and even deny that God is anywhere to be found that He truly is sovereign that He has plans and desires for the days and the activities and the behaviors of our life do you believe that God has a plan for what you're supposed to be doing today did you even think about that when you got up this morning that God has a plan for where I ought to be today. Thankfully, Sunday has this in it, our church time. But what are you going to be doing for the rest of the day? Is it your plans? Your plans alone? Or did you stop long enough and say, Lord, what would you have me to be doing today? Because God has plans and desires for the activities and behaviors of your day. That's what he's talking about here in this portion of Scripture. And so the very moment that you and I begin to say, well, today or tomorrow I'll go into such and such a town and I'll spend a year there and I'll trade and make a profit, you're starting to step across the line. Now, more appropriate to you and me, did we wake up this morning or last week or whenever and said, you know, I think I need a new car. I think I'm going to get me a new car. Or I think I'm going to move to Jackson because I hear there's work down there. I can go down there and get a job. You and I do that kind of thinking all the time. Us men have a habit of doing that when it comes to pickup trucks. We can buy a pickup truck without asking the Lord. And we do most of the time. And that's why we have that high payment and we have to go out, or our wives have to go out and get a job to pay for it. If our heart and our mind has not first brought God and His plan into our consideration of that thing that we're going to do, we have probably crossed that line from good planning into the sin of presumption and arrogance. And we are denying, by our behavior, we are denying the sovereignty of God. We're saying, no, you don't have charge over my life. I have charge over my life. I want that truck. I want that job. It pays more. I can get another dollar an hour over there. I want to go there. Reminds me of all of these things that we're talking about. Reminds me of, in Luke 12, of this presumptuous farmer. Listen to this. Luke 12, verse 16. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. He thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In Mark 8, it reminds us there in verse 36, it says, What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? God is telling you and me to stop here with these words. Consider this very subtle form of arrogance where we don't intentionally factor out the Lord from our day, but we do it. Look back here in verse verses 13 and 14. Come now you who say today and tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now God can't be any more clear with these two verses. He set them both in opposition to each other verses 13 and 14. And he has said to us, we don't really know what tomorrow is going to bring. All these plans. What do you plan to do Monday? He says our life is like a mist, a vapor. We might think, and and we live this way, as if we think that we can just catch life in our hands and control it. And this comparison that he has made here to our life being a mist, It's an excellent comparison. The next time that you walk out into a cool morning and you blow out your breath and you see this mist there, try to grab some of it. See how long you can hang on to it. See how much control you've got over it. That's what God is saying to us here. His words are clear. Our life is like that mist and all the things within it and even our length of days. Our length of days, however many they are on this earth, they are just like a mist as compared especially to the eternity where God is. Because that's where God lives in eternity. He's exhorting you and me to join with Him. And always have this eternity in view. He says in Psalm 90 to us, He says, "...the length of our days is 70 years or 80," He says, "...if you have strength." Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. God wants you and me to be crying out to Him saying, Teach me, teach me, O Lord, to number my days aright. This is Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach me to number my days aright that I may gain a heart of wisdom. He wants you and me to remember that at that moment, when we breathe our last here on this earth, He says in, Verse 14 of Ecclesiastes 12. He will bring every act into judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. Hebrews 9.27 says that there is a time appointed for you to die, for me to die. You and I will not die one moment sooner or one moment later than that appointed time. But then, the moment after that, he says, comes the judgment. I mentioned a moment ago our subtle form of arrogance causes us to make excuses. We'll say, well, I don't really mean to be unspiritual when I say, I'm just I'm going to go do this or that. I'm going to buy my new car, my new truck. I'm going to move here or there. I'm just trying to be practical. I'm just trying to make sense out of my day. I want to remind us of something that I've said so often and I want to keep saying it. Everything, everything, everything that you and I think and say and do, is always spiritual. You cannot separate it out. And while we may not be intentionally trying to deny God when we make our plans and say the things that we say, Jesus' words to us, His warning to us, is ever and always true, that out of the heart, out of the hidden things of our heart, proceeds hidden sins, such as this sin of presumption. And again, perhaps you and I really are not intentionally trying to leave the Lord out. But you and I have to understand that by our presumptuous words and behaviors we might as well be intentional. If we live every moment, listen now, if we live every moment by our wits and abilities and we're doing the same thing as those over there who intentionally declare that they're going to be the master of their destiny. They're going to decide what they're going to do. If we look and act, behave like them, are we not one of them? We are no different than them. We may say, but I'm Christian. Sin is sin. And it's wrong. If I do that, I'm no different than them. Even the worst of unbelievers. Scripture says that, by the way. You and I need to begin to make a change in our behavior. In the way that we think. In the way that we Verbalize what we want to do. And no, we can't really change ourselves by our own power. But listen, the Holy Spirit can do things that you and I can't do. If we truly have given our hearts to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us and He can start to make changes in our behavior and the way that we think. And simply put, if you and I can develop those bad habits of just almost ignoring and denying even that God is involved, then with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to change and develop habits of, as Jesus said, tarrying with Him for a while, praying with Him, asking His counsel, listening for His still small voice. And then, folks, listen. Life will begin to have far different, far different, far better results The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit can save you and me a lot of time and heartache if we will simply pause in the rush of the day and ask Him if it is His will that I should go to that town and spend this time and make a profit. Think about that. Think about that. Perhaps there is no profit to be had in that town. And He'll save you the trip. And he'll save you the heartache and the wasted time away from your family. Before we close, I want to tell you some of the words, repeat some of the words of a song from the 1960s. Now, this is not a Christian song, but it has Christian principles that are appropriate to this warning from the Lord. And this is the song is Mr. Businessman, and it's by Ray Stevens. It has some humor to it. If you were listening to him sing it, but listening to these words, there's no humor in it. Listen to these words of this song. Itemize the things you covet as you squander through your life. Bigger cars, bigger houses, term life insurance for your wife. Your morals are exempting you from guilt and shame. Remember, we make excuses. Heavens knows you're not to blame. You better take care of business, Mr. Businessman. What's your plan? Get down to business, Mr. Businessman, if you can, before it's too late and you throw your life away. Listen, did you see your children growing up today? And did you hear the music of their laughter as they set about to play? Did you catch the fragrance of those roses in your garden? Did the morning sunlight warm your soul and brighten your day? Do you qualify to be alive Or are you only trying to survive? Spending counterfeit incentive, wasting precious time and health, placing value on the worthless, disregarding priceless wealth. You can wheel and deal with the best of them and steal it from the rest. And when they take that final inventory, yours will be the same sad story as all the rest. And no one will really care. And then the last portion, it says, you better take care, Mr. Businessman. You better take care of business. What is your plan? Get down to business, Mr. Businessman, if you can. Now, these words really may not qualify as a Christian song. And the singer may not have really intended them to be a Christian expression. Maybe they were speaking more of, say, home and family. But may I suggest to you that they really may have been intended to warn Mr. Businessman to get down to business with the Lord. To get down to business with the Lord because these Scriptures today remind us that you do not know what tomorrow will bring, Mr. Businessman. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for just a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. The simple truth is as simple as Psalm 31 declares to us. My times are in your hands, O Lord. My times are in your hands, O Lord. And God is calling out to each of us. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray.